When it's time for lunch, you can pick up a spoon or grab your fork body and dig into a Nuna. It's Nuna with Dan and Marty. If you never had a Nuna, well, there's no certain way. Just bend over at the middle in the middle of the day. It's a Nuna. It's a Nuna with Marty and Dan. Or just Marty. <clears throat> Good morning, everybody. Welcome to a very odd version of the uh smodco morning morning show on the smodco internet wait no it's the jesus this is how bad it is i'm sorry i'm a little bit discombobulated it's nooner on the smodco internet radio network i am a host i'm a merp my name is marty and i'm staring at two empty microphones or two microphones with that are empty um oh shoot hold on yeah and uh uh, um, oh, okay. Um, and basically what happened was, uh, we were supposed to have Vivian, um, our old pal Vivian and, uh, John today. And literally within the past 15 minutes, they both canceled. So it's just me right now. Cassandra is, uh, has some business to take care of today. Um, she has some pretty hopeful meeting, so send good vibes to her. But if people want to, uh, they can join in on the conversation uh, either by tweeting at me at uh, Nooner Podcast, or you can even join on a Hangout. If you go to Google Hangouts, just call me. Um, I'm at uh, Nooner Podcast, and um, we'll try to hook you up. And yeah, we'll just have uh, short little conversations if anybody wants to call in. So that's Nooner Podcast. The thing is on and you can, um, yeah, do it like that. Um, <clears throat> so I apologized to um, Evan and Tyson who are, are listening uh, live. I don't know who else is, uh, but tweet in Nooner Podcast. Let me know that you're out there. Uh, those are my Northern California pals. Tyson, congratulations again. Um, uh, I'm so happy for you, Laura and Evan. I'm envious of you and your awesome uh, trailer. That thing looks kick-ass. Um, I just wanted to talk very briefly. Like I said, this might be a brief show. The IPCC, which is also known as the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, just released a report last week. And previously, they said that by 2040... And the climate would, bear with me here, it's not just going to be about uh, numbers and whatnot, but uh, the climate would increase due to human interve- intervention, that's very important, by 1.5 degrees centigrade. And then this new uh, report, they said that they revised their previous estimates, and now the number is 2.7 degrees of warming. And this would cause just uh, very catastrophic problems, um, or that they've all, all predicted, but it would happen at a much greater uh, much quicker rate. The uh, IPCC said that to prevent this warming, that we have to reduce greenhouse pollution by 45% in 12 years. And we would have to triple our wind and solar power generation and virtually eliminate coal. Uh, like, you know, just a few percent of, of the world's uh, power electricity would have to come from coal. And it's pretty alarming, pretty scary, but I mean, not unprecedented and and climate science is uh, based a lot on speculation and and models and it's not perfect as we've seen but they haven't been wrong uh, in terms of that the the uh, global temperatures are going up 
in terms of climate. And when these climate deniers say, well, the, the sun is actually cooling, the earth is actually cooling. No, the numbers don't bear that out. The numbers do uh, show the exact opposite. But sure enough, the right wing has come out and on Breitbart and other places. Well, actually, Fox News didn't even have a, a, any news stories about this report, which is pretty dire. Basically, they're saying we're fucked. And um, Breitbart has this guy, I forget his name, James. He's an English guy, uh, but he's calling it... Um, Basically, they, he's saying that the IPCC is just their fear-mongering and it's a big cash grab because it's going to cost trillions of dollars to, to fix this thing, or not fix it, but to fund what they're asking for, um, or fix it if you're a rational human being. And uh, But just so everybody knows, like the people of the IPCC are not getting rich. Nobody, um, I don't know if anybody goes into climate science thinking, I'm going to fleece the system. Uh, meanwhile, on the other side of things, the people who are, are responsible for this or the companies that are, the biggest oil companies, are, they're the biggest corporations in the world. They have the most to gain and, the, and lose with respect to climate change. You know, if they, if they can quell it, uh, the, the, the panic, or if they can like, um, uh, sort of discredit the, the science, then they win uh, in the short term. Yeah, like nerds, I don't know. It's just like nerds don't, especially if you're working for a, a climate organization, that money is not what, what's motivating you. And of course, the numbers are on their side. And, and if anyone says like the science isn't there to, provo- to prove that humans cause climate change, just point out the th- thousands of studies that say otherwise. And then point out that Rex fucking Tillerson, a former secretary of state, very short-lived, he was also the head of ExxonMobil. He in a speech, like, admitted that humans were causing climate change. And I, that, he could not avoid the science. But, of course, he didn't say that we should then, lose, you know, reduce our oil and, and gas production and, and usage. He said, well, you know, it's an engineering problem, and engineering got us into the problem, so engineering can get us out of the problem. We don't need regulation. We don't need, uh, you know, the, the market will take care of itself. Well, that, which is utter bullshit there's no incentive for uh, gas co- oil companies to prevent or to solve the pollution problem that they they created but it's just refreshing to hear that a like a right-wing capitalist admits that the problem exists <clears throat> and it, it brings up the the point is like the belief that climate science is uh, or that climate uh, I should say anthropo- anthropogenic climate change uh, is something to worry about, is a real thing and is something to worry about. The numbers are the lowest uh, of all the, you know, uh, the developed nations around the world. The numbers are incredibly low here in the U.S. And I would love to ask uh, the fellow, my fellow MERPs why they think that is. Uh, and... I have a theory about it, and it also goes to, um, like, there's, we also hold, like, the Bill of Rights as, like, this holy scripture, and, you know, that, like, we we spend case after case going over the very few words in, in the First and Second Amendment, and to decide what is right and wrong, and based on what our forefathers 
thought the country was going to be like, but of course our forefathers didn't uh, anticipate the internet and and uh, assault weapons and the, uh, the opioid epidemics and and uh, you know, just the ways that capitalists can or, or corporations and and bureaucracies can can skew these these uh, fundamental tenets. So in Canada and Australia, th- those are countries that became independent and ruled under a constitution, democratic uh, government, and a constitution similar to ours, but they don't hold their Bill of Rights the same way we hold as something like sacred. Uh, I think the Canadian Bill of Rights was, wasn't even made uh, whole until like 1960, and if you look at it, like it's just a lot of vague terminology on there. And I think the difference is, and if you're out there and you're religious, let me know, um, is that that we are, like fundamental Christianity is huge here. And when you have that, uh, when you have any sort of fundamental, um, and meaning that the, the word of, of the Bible or the word of a, a holy text is, is uh, trumps all and, and cannot be questioned, then you get in a mindset where words, whether they're true or not, are more important than facts. And that's the sort of country that we are, for, for whatever reason. I don't know if um, uh, the, the evangelical uh, movement here is because we're a bunch of people who believe that, or the, the fact that evangelical uh, Christianity is so big um, makes it informs the rest of the culture. But, I mean, and... The, you could also point to like Islamic communities that where fundamental um, fundamentalism reigns overall, and and you see that it it sort of drags down countries technologically. Like the Arab world used to be the hub of science and math, and uh, that's where we get so much of a, uh, how we deal with numbers. And now it's no longer on the forefront, and re- religious fundamentalism is huge there. So I'm was hoping to have a discussion about that and now I'm just talking into the ether nobody's called in google hangouts nooner podcast at uh, gmail.com uh, but david castro i should have had you over he's just up the street uh, great to to hear you uh, and then uh, tyson wants to know there's no crazy rich climate scientists project in the works no there is not i uh, speaking of which i was very excited to see aquafina uh, host the uh, SNL this weekend, the Saturday Night Live, as it's known. It's the first time an Asian woman has hosted the uh, that old decrepit sketch comedy show in 18 years when Lucy Liu did, and it, so it was really great to see her there. She was really enthusiastic, but I just hate it, and it happens all the time uh, when you can just see them just staring at the cue cards, the, the uh, guest hosts uh, during the sketches, like, like their eyes are just, they're not looking at the other person at all and they're fixating on just like they're so nervous or uh, unconfident because, you know, they've rehearsed all week, but they're just reading the cue cards, just terrified to, to that they might lose their place. You see it with uh, music acts when they are guest hosts or um, sports people or Aquafina. So um, it's a bummer. But... I didn't laugh once, but I, I was still charmed. I haven't laughed at SNL for a while. But no, actually, the, uh, the I would say that Michael Che and uh, Colin Jost are very good at their weekend update. Um, 
also, I wanted to talk... Oh, here, before I forget, uh, I have a nephew who's turning 11, and I want to get him some comic books. And uh, I don't think he has experience in, with the comic book world. So I want to know what people think would be a good starter set of comic books to give a, you know, like a trade book or... I don't know, what, what's a good starter comic book to get a young boy who, who doesn't have a lot of experience with that? Uh, I think I was looking at Amulet, that graphic novel for kids. Uh, I don't know if there's something in the Marvel or DC world you guys would suggest, uh, but I thought that would be neat. And also, um, I was looking at... Uh, well... Anyhow, I just thought it was good because I think it has an Asian-American lead character in there. I think. I don't know. I could be wrong. Or maybe it's just race-independent. But um, I thought it would be fun, to, since he's a little Asian boy, to see a little Asian boy in a comic book. Um, So please tweet or email your suggestions to me at noonerpodcast, noonerpodcast at gmail.com. Or you could call call in and talk about it. That's uh, noonerpodcast at gmail.com. And uh, along with that, um, what do people think about Doctor Who, the new Doctor Who? Have not seen it yet, but very excited. And, you know, I know that people have a lot of uh, opinions about when they change a superhero's race, uh, when they made Iron Man and Green Lantern black and and, uh, Miles Morales as Spider-Man, Ms. Marvel on down the line, but how do people about feel about when they switch genders? So when we have a, a female Thor or a female Doctor Who, does that excite people? Does it ruin, taint the experience? What if we made James Bond, Jamie Bond? Would that, would that uh, ruin Bond for people? Um, Superwoman? Well, I guess we have Supergirl, but very different. And we still don't have a queer uh, superhero in the MCU, so that we're still looking forward to that. Um, what do you guys think, Merps? All right. Okay, so <laughs> this is not how I woke up thinking that today was going to be going, so I uh, appreciate your patience. Are you guys familiar with uh, this artist, Banksy? He's the an English sort of, well, we think he's English. He's a, this mystery artist who uh, does? Who came into prominence by doing these very striking um, sort of uh, murals and, and graffiti in England and the U.S. And they're somewhat, uh, they're often ironic or funny or absurd, uh, off, often with a political bent. I saw an exhibit that he had here in LA that it was like it wasn't announced and then they just opened it up and then like there were lines around the block to see it and they it was actually really cool. Uh, and he has sold some things in auction. I think he sold, you know, things in about like half a million dollars and they and also the 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 other thing is they when he has uh, done his art on walls, it's often private property. So there was a, a wall in England uh, that was um, some the the building owner actually had the whole wall removed, built a new wall, and then sold the old wall at auction for like three hundred thousand uh, dollars. Not bad if yeah if that's you know if somebody graffitis your place it's nice to be able to 
turn that into lemonade. And actually, he, there was another thing. Uh, I think it was here in Malibu. He um, he painted, a, it was like a big metal cylinder in Malibu. And I think a, a, there was an artist, a homeless artist who was living there. And so somebody took that metal thing, making this guy homeless, and and tried, sold it at auction. And then Banksy... Um, Ooh, geez. Well, I'm protected from viruses. Thank you, Windows Defender. Um, he he uh, paid for the, a year of, of living for this homeless artist, and it, like immediately, just send him a check and said, "Live off that for a year," uh, which I thought was really cool. And then he refused to authenticate the the cylinder. So that metal, that steel thing that this person, you know, I don't know who it was. They they took it. And they tried to make money off of it. It was declared worthless, and it ended up as trash. Um, so he's very subversive. He, um, yeah, and very clever and mysterious. And he had a, 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 I think up in somewhere in the north of England, he had a, a fake, uh, or not a fake, like a Disneyland sort of um, sardonic satire theme park. I did not go. I wish I could have. Um, but he just had a painting at auction this weekend. It's one of his most famous paintings. And I'm sure people have seen this online, but it's pretty amazing. So he, uh, during the auction, it sold for just over a million dollars, like $1.3 million, whatever that is in pounds. And as soon as it sold, a motor turned on in the, the, the painting, it was a canvas painting in a frame, a thick frame. A motor turned on and it it started shredding the painting into thin shreds, and then like nobody noticed. And then people are pointing and and like all of a sudden the Sotheby's people are like trying to just like pulled the the painting off the the wall and and took it to the back. So the, the big issue is does like it's first of all it's hilarious. It's like you know it's a statement about like what is the value of art and like can you put um, such a high price on on something that's just of no material value and does it bring that much joy to you for is it worth a million dollars are you just doing it for an investment or for the status of having a Banksy and uh, so he posted very briefly on Instagram how several years ago he rigged this uh, this frame with razors and a motor and fully intending to do this years ago, which is pretty genius. Obviously, he had some triggering device, which is pretty uh, cool. I don't know how they must have done that. But the thing is, immediately people were like, okay, does is this mystery buyer, we don't know who won the auction, are they on the hook for that $1.3 million? And then other people are saying, okay, well, then it's now worth more. And if you actually see it, it doesn't, you don't see it cut all the way through. Like the motor, I don't know if it got jammed or if they stopped it or if that was on purpose or, um, but it's like halfway shredded. And that, if it's just that, I think that is probably worth even more now. And then some art experts are saying that it's, uh, it's worth, you know, $5 million now. And, and at the very least, it also increases Banksy's, uh, uh, his notoriety and, and his reputation. So now I think all his work is going to be worth more. Uh, how do you guys feel about that? 
Ah, uh, all right. That's that's pretty much what I would have expected if the people had actually fucking been here. Damn it. Um. Oh, Jadlin's listening too. Jadlin, I'm I'm going solo today. Everybody's gone. A female bond would be interesting, says David Castro. Um, always <laughs> cool. Always down for a cool chick kicking ass. Yes. Yeah. I guess. They've tried in the past. Did you see Peppermint? Is that with that the movie with Jennifer Garner? Did not see it. Uh, yeah, uh, I'm down for that too. And David says, take uh, my nephew to LA Comic Con in a couple weeks. We'll give him a lot to choose from. That means I'd have to go out and be around people. And clearly two is my limit. Um, as we know here in the podcast, we rarely have more than that. Uh, also, if I did go, I would have to take my niece because she already asked me if she can go. I was just at my parents' house this weekend. My father turned 80 and he said, will you please remove these from the house? And it was two boxes just full of comic books. So I'm going to go through them and give them, will them to my, my niece because she's really into comics right now. So that's pretty exciting. And also, I'm going to give her all my copies of Civil War, the, the actual comic series. I think I'm missing like two or three issues, but um, the whole story is basically there. And and I, I was pretty impressed how they managed to turn that very sprawling and, and intricate uh, uh, story and turned it into uh, the movie. Not, not bad, except uh, I'm glad that they didn't kill um, that plucky uh paul rudd oh okay so i guess we were interrupted and we're back so um evan you wanted to know if i'm going i'm watching the google event i'm not um because okay there's a google event like you know evan knows that i'm a big tech nerd and i'm into buying gadgets and whatnot but uh i don't think there are any surprises today everything has already been leaked and also i already have a phone and uh, you know that's pretty new and i spent way way too much on but if uh i s- watched it and started coveting it i would just f- fixate and not um, be able to be sat and just stare at my phone like like trump staring at you know ivana uh, uh, ivana thinking i can i can do better i can get a, a pixel 3xl i'm done with you stupid samsung um okay let's see I'm just plowing through these notes because everybody's gone. Um, oh, okay. Evan can't call in. And I also have these old Swamp Thing uh, issues that are, I don't think that they're worth that much, but they're still in the plastic. That, so that's kind of nice. But uh, it's re- those ones, if you guys have never read the, the John Toddlebin, like Alan Moore, uh, that whole series, I guess it was around like, from like the issue 30-something onward, um, but where Alan Moore was writing for it. If you're an Alan Moore fan, get the trades on that. It's it's one of the, the coolest, weirdest comic books, and the art is pretty amazing. Um, I am in rehearsals now for uh, this play. It's called... Uh, what is it called? It's called Special, and I think it's specialtheplay.com. And it's based on the Star Wars Christmas special. We'll have uh, people from that show coming on the podcast, hopefully. But it, I haven't done a play in a long time, and I have a lot of words, and it's uh, a little scary. So, 
but it should be fun. Hopefully, people find it enjoyable. Um, yeah, there was a um, guy. There was a guy. All right, next question. I mean, next next subject. Now, I don't know if you guys saw this. This is a few weeks ago, and there was a guy on the subway or on, on the train heading out of a commuter train out of New York City. And he was just shaving in the middle of the, uh, on in his seat with shaving cream and just like tossing the shaving cream just onto the floor from the razor. You know, when you sort of snap it off. Uh, it was pretty disturbing because you're like, what, like what's, what sort of world do we live in where just people don't pay attention to like the world around them there they treat like they look at their their public space as their own private space like the, there are all sorts of <laughs> happens all the time in new york it turns out uh, just go on yeah you can look at people bathing in the in the subway and um but so th- this commuter uh, vid- secretly videotaped this guy or videotaped he whatever shot it with his phone and then it went viral and then it was so you watch it and you feel sort of like rage and you feel disgust and but uh this guy came forward and he said his name is Anthony Torres and he was a homeless guy who was visiting his brother to try to ask for some money or for some help and um and he had just come out of a, a a shelter and was trying to look presentable for his brother and so then we feel pity and we feel shame for for feeling having judgment on this guy but at the same time they like i i feel for the guy and who knows what his mental state is like but they have bathrooms on the train and i don't know why he couldn't have just gone to the bathroom uh and I'm sure that they have bathrooms at the train station. They have uh, bathrooms, you know, you see, I've seen people shaving in the in airport bathrooms. Didn't think twice about it. But uh, I guess I'm going to give the guy the benefit of the doubt that he has had some, um, a very tough life. And, but still, I think that uh, there's some, some sort of, some piece of, of social structure missing there. Uh, where you would actually do that. Uh, but anyhow, I, I did feel bad. And, and if you saw that, uh, we should be sympathetic to that. So uh, Evan says that flashy new toy is totally unnecessary. Your strategy is a good one with regards to my cell phone. I'm still going to... Uh, Evan, don't get me wrong. As, as soon as this podcast is over, I'm going to uh, go and, and check out all the specs and still covet it. But, um, oh, look at... Oh, I think we might have a, a caller. Let's see. Um, I can click there. And then, oh, Jesus Christ, this is a clusterfuck. Oh, I did post, uh, if you want something that is a little more co- coherent, last night I posted a new episode of Ding Dong Chomp, episode 11, with me and Kruger. And uh, I think you can go to, I I, I don't know how to, do podcasts and this is terrible i've been doing this for over six and a half or six something years i don't know how to 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 pimp out uh, just go on itunes and do ding dong chomp and and it'll come up there are 11 episodes we've got a couple more in the can they'll be coming down the pike and uh it was a, it's a lot of fun and 
uh, okay. I guess it it was a failed experiment with Tyson. Oh shit! Wait, hold on. All right. Please, I don't know when this is going up or not. I don't know if our feed is up is current. But if you guys want to send emails, um, please send them to noonerpodcast at gmail.com, including comic book uh, recommendations for kids. And uh, let's see, if you want to, um, where, what other form of media could we see some uh, gender casting or, or uh, race recasting besides the, the obvious ones that we've read about in the news? And uh, what do you think about um, the rise of fundamentalism here in the country? No, nobody cares about that. Just send us fun things. Ask us questions. Next week, uh, John will be back. Hopefully, Cassandra will be back. And uh, who knows who will be here. And uh, keep looking for looking out for the play if you guys want to come it should be really fun it's like i said it's based on the christmas special uh based on star wars that was done in 78 i believe and it's uh, a shit show of uh, unbelievable proportions and the you just think about like what were the decisions that needed to be made to put like diane carroll in a like a Star Wars thing along with uh, B. Arthur and Harvey Corman and like how that fits in the Star Wars universe and like how did how did George Lucas let that happen and who thought any of those decisions were a good idea as they were proceeding. Uh, that's what the play sort of explores in a, in sort of a sketch comedy kind of way. It's very silly, very funny, and hopefully it's good as a play. And on that note, uh, oh, uh, just so you know, if you use Google Hangouts, make sure it works before you call because apparently Tyson needed to install a plugin. But we'll get you in Tyson next time um, or next time we'll do Skype. But I think the sound quality is better on Hangouts. And I'm not saying that because they pay me because, well, they do. All right. We will see. Oh, yeah, I don't have any emails either. So or else I would have gone into those. But we will see you next Tuesday. I apologize for the abbreviated show. And listen to Taylor Swift, uh, as Evan was saying, that um, 
He's not a big fan of hers, but her call to action to vote is was it resonated. So I'm all for that. And so if you haven't registered, register and vote vote your conscience. Vote vote with empathy. Vote with uh educate yourself before you get to the booth. All right. This has been a production of Smodco Internet Radio.